Good afternoon. My name is Brianna Copeland, and I'm a junior here at the College of Southeastern, and I'm excited to be able to share with you this afternoon. Today, I would like to tell you a story of my friend, Georgetta. Everything seemed fine at first. Georgetta was working at a fruit stand in Russia. One of her friends had offered her this job after learning that Georgetta needed to be making a little bit more extra money for her family. Georgetta and her alcoholic husband had two children, and she was pregnant with their third. She would work in Russia at the fruit stand during the week and send the money back to her family in Moldova. She missed them, but she knew that she was helping to provide. About two months after Georgetta started this new job, the same friend that offered her the job showed back up at the fruit stand and demanded that the women working there hand over their passports and documents because they needed to move locations. A few minutes later, a large, a large moving truck pulled up, started throwing everything from the stand in the back of the truck, including the four women who worked there. The truck door slammed closed and the truck sped down the street. Inside the truck, it was dark and the fruit was rolling up and down the truck bed as it skidded around corner blocks. The women had no idea where they were going, and the longer they drove, they began to get more and more nervous about what would happen to them when the truck stopped. Eventually, after what felt like forever, the truck did finally jolt to a harsh stop. The doors opened, and Georgetta was welcomed to what she would later refer to as the factory. Inside this factory were lots of intimidating men, along with hundreds of other women from all over Europe and Asia. This was their new life. This was their new work. By day, the women would assemble illegal weaponry to be sold and used by the Russian mafia. And by night, they would sexually service the men in any way they demanded. Many of the women got pregnant because of the abuse that they endured. After delivery, the pretty babies would be sold to black market adoption agencies and the undesirable ones sold to black market organ trade. Every form of imaginable evil was found under the roof of this one factory. After enduring two years trapped in that hell, Georgetta finally decided that she had to escape. She had had her baby in the factory and she was now seven months pregnant by one of the men that raped her. So Georgetta, along with two of her other friends from the factory, both Moldovan women, decided they would run. So one night when it was a Russian holiday and they knew that the guards would have a little bit more to drink than normal, these women ran. They ran and they ran and they ran and they tripped over roots in the Russian forest and they got up and they kept running. But the, the men, after they realized that the women were missing, came running after them. And running seven months pregnant was definitely slower than the men. So when the men caught up with them, they started beating them and reprimanding them for thinking that they could just run away. But the women had made it so far. They were so close to the Russian border, they could almost see it. And the patrolmen on the border actually heard the women screaming and came to see what was going on. But when they got there, they were just a few minutes too late, and one of Georgetta's friends had just been shot by the mafia. She was gone. They arrested the men and took the women to the hospital, 
and after learning where the women came from, sent police back to the factory to free the rest of the women and children. Two months after this incident, Georgetta woke up in the hospital from a coma to meet her newborn baby and her two-year-old daughter who had been rescued from the factory. Georgetta is now a part of the local church in Moldova, and she is continuing her healing and rehabilitation process from her experience seven years ago. Georgetta's story also puts a name and a face to the 27 million other stories, just like Georgetta's, of people stuck in the slave trade. I met Georgetta when she came to North Carolina to share her story with potential donors to the Moldova Mission Project. Moldova Mission is the partner organization of my ministry, Save Our Sisters. And Save Our Sisters is made up of a group of six college students who decided that we had to do something about this global slavery epidemic. So Save Our Sisters partnered with Moldova Mission because of the shared vision to impact the sex slave industry with the hope of Christ. Moldova Mission is a multinational NGO comprised of leaders from multiple countries, all desiring to see hope, faith, and flourishing in the future generations of Moldovan children. Together, Save Our Sisters and Moldova Mission will be opening the first of two safe homes for rescue trafficking victims and at-risk children this summer. These homes will be a place of safety and rehabilitation where the women and children can learn a new trade that will keep them out of the sex slave industry. This whole project started when I was just 14, my freshman year of high school. I had a sleepover that I would never forget. At that sleepover, my two best friends and I just could not shake off the burden the Lord had placed in us to do something about human trafficking. We had heard repeatedly about statistics and stories and news clips, and we were tired of just listening. We wanted to do something. But at that point, we were 14, so what could we really do? Six years ago, doing something to help women like Georgetta looked like asking our youth pastor if we could have a cookout with our youth group to raise some money to send to an organization that was already fighting human trafficking. Our desire to do something that night did not come from our knowledge about the slave industry, because trust me, we knew nothing. But our desire to do something came from what we loved. And this is what we have learned. You walk in justice when you love justice. And our love for justice must come from our love for Jesus. That night in my best friend's bedroom, the Lord led us to a specific passage of scripture that has continued to be the foundation for our ministry to this day. In Isaiah 61, verses one and three, the prophet writes, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah is talking about the Christ that is to come and what he will be like. This is the same passage of scripture that Jesus reads in the synagogue in Luke chapter four. Luke tells us that after Jesus finishes reading, he rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant and says to the congregation, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
Jesus came to earth, anointed by the Spirit of God, to do justice, to bind up the brokenhearted, to preach good news, and to set the captives free. And Luke 4 teaches us that if we are in Christ, this is also our calling. We are the ones now anointed by the Spirit. We are the ones sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to preach good news, and to set captives free. This is our calling, and we need to be obedient. When Save Our Sisters began, we realized with so much conviction that to be like Christ means we must walk in justice. The Lord has made that very clear, and we want to be obedient. Because of Save Our Sisters, my high school years were filled with a lot of event planning and fundraising and traveling to different churches to speak on the weekends or on Wednesday nights to youth groups. So in the midst of all of that, when I was thinking about college, I knew that I wanted to go somewhere where this passion that the Lord had given me for justice could flourish. So my first time on Southeastern's campus was actually with a speaking event for Save Our Sisters. We were speaking in Dr. Reed's evangelism class, and after being in the classroom and touring the school, I knew that this was a place that I could flourish. Southeastern's I Am Going slogan encourages its students to think about how they will fill in that blank. And for me, as I was thinking about it, it challenged me to think about how I'd fill in the blank, not just with some future goal, but also with my current practice. College has definitely been a different season for Save Our Sisters than high school was. College has taught me a lot more about everyday justice and about how daily walking in justice Um, is what the Lord calls us to do. The Lord has shown me that he does not just call us to fight for justice with a campaign and an event, but more than that, he calls us to love justice, to clothe ourselves in justice, and to walk in it daily. True justice is a little less about passionate advocacy, although that is definitely part of any justice ministry, but it is more about faithful love. So how do you love justice? And what do you do when the problem of injustice seems overwhelming and pervasive? A few specific ways that my husband and I choose to walk in justice daily includes buying free trade coffee and chocolate for our home, where we know that our enjoyment of those good things does not come at the expense of hours of exploited labor for harvesters on harsh cocoa and coffee bean farms. Another daily choice that we make is to be careful and considerate about what music we listen to or what movies and shows that we watch because we know that although those things are well advertised as just entertainment, our consumption of language in popular songs and the soft porn that is often found in movies today directly affects the demand for pornography in the sex slave industry. These are just a few choices that we make every day to walk in justice as we walk with Jesus. And it's gonna look different for you. Walking in justice daily might include knowing where your clothes come from, or sponsoring an orphan, or welcoming refugees, or continually giving to organizations like Save Our Sisters. It is one of Satan's greatest lies though, to make you believe that just because you cannot solve the problem of injustice by yourself, that your efforts are worthless. That is a lie from hell and everyday justice chooses to believe just the opposite of that. Because the bottom line is, our daily choices end up defining our lives. 
so, consider the effect of your choices on the hundreds and millions of stories just like Georgetta's. Choose everyday justice and let your love for justice come from your love for Jesus. I have filled in my blank and I choose to write it in again every day. I am going to walk in justice. Thank you.